wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's great! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. What's going on, guys, and welcome back to Wrestle Rant Radio for June 23rd, 2018. I am Graham G.S. and Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well and enjoying your Saturday. A very weird thing for me to say here on Wrestle Rant Radio. Of course, the Thursday episodes are usually a staple here on Wrestle Rant Radio, um, but a rare Saturday show, as this past week has been nuts. I've had no time to record the show until now, uh, and I'm glad I did. I almost originally planned to record the show on Monday morning. Because, of course, I was in Chicago for Money in the Bank weekend, including TakeOver and Money in the Bank on Sunday. Had a great time. I'll be talking all about my weekend in the Windy City here on WrestleRant Radio today and some other news and notes and stuff, which brings me to my next point. Um, Because on Monday, I had some time before I left back to fly here back to CT on Monday evening. I was planning on sticking around at the hotel and recording a episode of WrestleRant Radio talking about my experience at TakeOver and Money in the Bank. And that would be the episode on site in Chicago, which would have been cool, but I figured eh, I would rather make the most of my time in the Windy City by checking out some other things I haven't had time to yet, like the Field Museum and a few other things. So I left the hotel, did that stuff, came back, and since then, that was five days ago, I've had literally no time to do anything else but uh, work and do some writing. Uh, And even my reviews of Raw, SmackDown, 205 Live, NXT, Impact, Wrestling, Ring of Honor, all that stuff was delayed this past week on NextAirWrestling.net. All that should be up. There are a few things I still need to get to. I have yet to watch, and I know it came out fucking six days ago, but I will watch it hopefully either today or tomorrow. The WWE 24 special on the Hardys, the Woken special, which I've heard nothing but rave reviews about in the last six days. So I can't wait to watch that, enjoy that, review it for WWE Network and Chill for the YouTube channel um, either today or tomorrow. So I have yet to do that. I have to write the week in review and a few other things, but largely I have maybe 80% of the things I wanted to do done and WrestleRant Radio was on that list. So again, like I said, I'm glad I waited because had I recorded this week's episode days early on Monday, I mean, granted it would have been done early, but I wouldn't have the chance to talk about Big Van Vader's passing, who passed away, I believe, on Thursday. Not on Wednesday. I don't know. All the days blend together at this point. I think it was Wednesday. Big Van Vader passed away on Wednesday. We had the WWE release of Big Cass on uh, on Tuesday, I believe, right before SmackDown. The NXT Tag Team titles changing hands over in England. And then again at Thursday's NXT TV tapings. And then AJ Styles landing the cover of WWE 2K19. So... And I'm sure there's other things I'm forgetting here. I know there's rumors about Undertaker potentially wrestling at SummerSlam, and it could be against AJ Styles, and that's purely speculation. But there's a lot of stuff going on. This was easily one of the most newsworthy weeks in um, in, in quite some time. And, of course, it came on the one week that I had to delay WrestleRant Radio. But, again, I'm glad I did, because if I didn't, and I recorded on Wednesday or Thursday when the episode usually goes up, 
I wouldn't have had the time to talk about all the things I will before I get to TakeOver and Money in the Bank soon enough. So actually, probably I'll talk about TakeOver and Money in the Bank first and then save the news and notes before I talk briefly about Raw and SmackDown for Monday and Tuesday, respectively. But before we go any further, of course, guys, as I mentioned, NextAirWrestling.net is the one-stop destination for all my written reviews of Raw, SmackDown, NXT, 205 Live, Main Event, Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, now the returning Lucha Underground. Season 4 is now in effect. It's been a blast to watch so far. The past two episodes have been a lot of fun. Check out all those written reviews on NextAirWrestling.net, as well as new episodes of WrestleRant Radio, normally every single Thursday. And if not on NextAirWrestling.net, you can also binge episodes of WrestleRant Radio on iTunes. Simply search up WrestleRant Radio on the Apple Podcast app, Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. You will get not only every new episode on Thursdays, but every archived episode as well, dating back to the show's debut almost five years ago in October of 2013. So do that today. It is now easier than ever to listen to WrestleRant Radio. So again, guys, you can follow me on the socials at WrestleRant on the Twitter machine. On Facebook, at Facebook, whatever, at Graham GSM Matthews, Facebook.com backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews, YouTube at YouTube.com backslash C backslash Graham GSM Matthews, all that stuff. Uh, to find my on site report, all the photos, the videos, there's a lot of videos I took at Money in the Bank and at Takeover. I think one video I took, I believe, of Alexa Bliss cashing in her Money in the Bank contract in the very same night that she won it to become the new Raw Women's Champion. That's got a couple thousand views already. So, again, check out all the videos I took at Money in the Bank and at TakeOver. And some of the other photos I took while in Chicago over the course of uh, from Friday to Monday on the socials as well, uh, as well. And also, while in Chicago, I should mention this. I had a great time, so I'll, I guess I'll kind of transition into my weekend in the Windy City right now. Had a great time. I've never been to Chicago in the city itself. Technically, I've only really been in Rosemont, which is where the airport is located. I'm not really sure where Chicago starts and stops. Um, but thankfully, my hotel was right next to the airport, literally five minutes within the um, Allstate Arena. It was right next door, so I could walk five minutes, and I'd be there just like that. So if I ever go back to Chicago, and I'm sure I will for more shows in the future, I mean, it would have to be more than one show. Going there for like a pay-per-view would be cool, um, but I liked what I did this past weekend because I got to go to TakeOver on Saturday, Money in the Bank on Sunday, and also experience the city as well, which was great. Have some pizza, go to Wrigley, go to the Field Museum, go to Navy Pier, all this other awesome stuff. But also while there, before talking about TakeOver on Saturday, I was able to go to the headquarters of One Hour Tees, also the home of Pro Wrestling Tees. Uh, which has blown up over the past five years. I've bought many shirts from them over the last uh, three or four years. They have a great selection of uh, t-shirts, even better than WWE's, which I guess isn't saying much sometimes, but uh, they have some great t-shirts, obviously very popular for their Bullet Club merchandise, the Young Bucks merchandise, CM Punk merchandise, and a few others. Um, but not only did I want to check that out, Bruce Pritchard was also there doing a meet and greet, and I got there just in time for it, made perfect time getting there, meeting him, talking to him for a couple minutes, he was real cool, I've become a big fan of his podcast on the WWE Network, now I know he does the podcast on Fridays, something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard and Conrad Thompson, um, I can't check that out, those episodes are a little too long for my taste, I mean they're almost five hours some weeks, for me that's a little too long, 
Um, the hour, hour and a half, two hour shows they do on the network every Wednesday, I think are perfect. In the last few weeks alone, they've talked about WWE, ECW, which was really cool. They talked about AJ Styles and TNA from 2010 to 2013, something I never thought I would ever see, just because, I mean, obviously TNA talk and the WWE network, you know, what it's, you know, it's amazing. I never thought I would see the day, but it was really cool to see that. That was my favorite episode of date. They've talked about WrestleMania 4. They've talked about Shawn Michaels. They've talked about WrestleMania 14. They've talked about Roddy Roddy Piper. And this week they talked about the Hardy Boys, which was also cool. So again, got to meet Bruce Pritchard, a.k.a. Brother Love, in Chicago. It was really, really cool. And then TakeOver on Saturday. Now, this wasn't the most anticipated TakeOver of all time. It wasn't the greatest TakeOver I've ever been to. Now, this was my fifth TakeOver. I went to TakeOver, obviously, in Chicago on Saturday. In addition to that, though, I've been to the, the, the first two Brooklyn shows, TakeOver Brooklyn 1 in the summer of 2015 and TakeOver Brooklyn 2 in the summer of 2016. Now, I couldn't go last year. I should be able to go this year, this August, which I'm looking forward to. So I went to those two Brooklyn TakeOvers, uh, this Chicago one, TakeOver in Orlando over WrestleMania weekend, as well as TakeOver in Philadelphia earlier this year. So um, this would probably be right in the middle. I thought this was a very good show, if not a great show, with two excellent, no, three excellent matches and two pretty good matches. Uh, We kicked off the evening with the NXT Tag Team titles up for grabs between the Undisputed Era's Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong, taking on Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan. This was a great match. I knew it would be a great match. What really surprised me, that that didn't really surprise me, the fact that this kicked off the show and the fact that it was a great match. What surprised me, rather, was the fact that Burch and Lorcan were booed. Um, I know Undisputed Era are over like Rover. They're fucking beyond hot right now. Adam Colbebe, Roderick Strong, Kyle O'Reilly. They're killing it at the moment. But, you know, Lorcan and Birch are like, nah, nah, not too huge indie darlings. But, you know, people are aware of them. They're a fan of them. No, they got booed when they came out, which really took me by surprise. But they won over that audience in the end with their great hard-hitting style and the great work here done by both teams. This was a perfect way to open the evening. This was a lot of fucking fun. But in the end, it was the Undisputed Era retaining their titles successfully and moving on to then drop the titles to the British Strong Styles, uh, Mustache Mountain, that being Tyler Bate and Trent Seven at Wednesday's UK TV tapings, whatever, which is really, really cool. So I guess I'll talk about that real briefly. Um, WWE, I believe, held the finals of the UK title tournament, as well as a few other matches at the Royal Albert Hall, I think on Tuesday, might have been Wednesday, I believe it was Tuesday though, um, that the title change happened, and WWE.com reported on it, which is why I'm not saying spoiler, spoiler, like, you know, the WWE reported on it, they talked about it, everyone, if you have the internet, if you have internet connection, then, you know, you you probably already know about this at the, by this point, by Saturday, by the time I'm talking about it. Um, but yeah, Tyler Bay and Trent Seven did knock off O'Reilly and Strong for the NXT Tag Team titles in England on Tuesday before dropping the belt right back to uh, O'Reilly and Strong at Thursday's, I, be- I believe it was, uh, NXT TV tapings. So, I mean, I figured it would only really be a matter of time before they got the belts back because, again, Undisputed Era has been killing it <clears throat> for, uh, for, for a while now. And it would have been a, a dumb move to take those belts off of them. Not period, but just for a long period of time. 
And long live the Kyle O'Reilly guitar thing, you know, where he comes out and does the uh, guitar with the belt, and he pretends the NXT tag team title is a guitar. It's great. It's one of my favorite things about NXT right now, and that is uh, back in effect now that they are two-time NXT tag team champions. But uh, no, great stuff from this match. The tag title change didn't bother me at all. Generated some buzz. I'm sure the match was great between Mustache Mountain and uh, Undisputed Era on Tuesday in England. And I'm sure the rematch on NXT TV was also excellent. So looking forward to seeing how that plays out. I believe they're airing the tag title match. The first one when they show the finals of the UK uh, tournament, the UK title tournament on Tuesday or Monday, I believe it is. I forgot when they're airing it. I think it's Monday, Monday afternoon. So I'm looking forward to that. That should be a great match. Um, So also from TakeOver Chicago 2 on Saturday, we had one of my favorite matches of the weekend between Ricochet and Velveteen Dream. This was awesome. I mean, we all expected it to be awesome, but it was uh, just as good, if not a bit better than I thought it would be. The story they told here was basically what you can do, I can do better. And I thought they told that story to perfection here. Uh, Velveteen Dream coming out like the fucking Velveteen Hulkster. uh, You know, channeling his his inner Hulk Hogan. The former judge on Tough Enough from a few years ago. So, I mean, I think Hulk Hogan is one of the people who thought that Velveteen Dream would never make it. I think he said as such on an episode of Tough Enough, if I'm not mistaken. But I believe Velveteen Dream, uh, Patrick Clark, whatever you want to call him. I think he's also gone on the record... And saying Hulk Hogan was a supporter of his, he helped him get where he is today. So I'm not exactly sure, I don't remember. Um, But he did come out channeling the former WWE champion with the clothes, ripping off the shirt, the poses, and everything else. It was really cool. Uh, Ricochet comes out to a a star-like ovation. The guy is just so over right now. He screams superstardom. As does the Velveteen Dream. Both guys are just on another level right now. Um, this was a great match, told a great story, like I said, the in-ring action was excellent, both guys going to great lengths to have an awesome match, and they definitely delivered, this was great, uh, Ricochet in the end hitting the 640, 630, whatever it is, for the victory, um, I, this was personally my favorite match of the night, the main event was the match of the night, the match of the night in my opinion, but my favorite match of the night was Ricochet and Velveteen Dream. So here's hoping this is not the last we see of these guys against each other. Um, I think the feed might be over after this point, after Ricochet won clean as a sheet. But I could also see them, you know, doing another match down the road, maybe for the NXT North American title, or even the NXT Championship itself, if one of these guys gets their hands on that belt at some point in the not-so-distant future. Um, But now this match was just flat-out fantastic. For the NXT Women's Championship... We had Shayna Baszler knocking off Nikki Cross in a pretty good match. Uh, Nikki Cross, I feel, does not get the credit she deserves for coming as far as she has. I mean, she was great even when she debuted a year and a half ago as part of Sanity, but she's really coming to her own um, in the NXT Women's Division. In her matches with Ruby Riot, with um, with Asuka late last year, with the iconic duo, with Ember Moon, and now Shayna Baszler. She's really coming to her own as a uh, is a force to be reckoned with in that NXT women's division, having having a great showing here. Love the final shot of uh, Shayna Baszler locking Nikki Cross in the um, in the choke. Nikki Cross smiling and then passing out. I thought that was great. So it wasn't like an amazing match or anything. The crowd kind of died after that point a little bit compared to the opener and Ricochet and Velveteen Dream. But the match was still pretty good. Had the right result. Shayna Baszler still your NXT women's champion. 
before we got to the NXT Championship match, we had a uh, sighting in the crowd from one Keith Lee. I mean, I, I kind of figured there was a chance of that happening. The guy is really, 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 really good. Um, I know he was slated to report to the Performance Center a few months ago. I think it's set to happen in July, but I believe the rumor was making the rounds like a month ago. Um, but I figured he would be one of those people that would just show up on NXT TV a lot like Leo Rush did and uh, Donovan Dijak did and a few others. But no, they they went out of their way to put Keith Lee in the crowd and show him on Saturday, which is great. Um, if you're not familiar with him, I know he doesn't have the same notoriety that the guys like, you know, Adam Cole did or Ricochet did before coming to WWE. Uh, Keith Lee is more of an independent guy. He never really, you know, he had a run in Ring of Honor alongside Shane Taylor when they were attacked. I saw them team up at Ring of Honor All-Star Extravaganza 2016, which they had a great showing there. And I thought they were a pretty good tag team. Uh, but he would eventually break off on his own on the independent scene. I saw him in action at a Northeast Wrestling show, at a Progress show. The guy's fucking great. Keith Lee is very, very good. Uh, so I figured it was only a matter of time before he showed up in WWE, and here we are. He is in NXT, and I feel he, I feel he will be a great fit for that brand. Uh, maybe a few to Lars Sullivan before long could be a great way to kind of introduce him to the, to the masses in NXT. The guy's great. So if you're not already familiar with Keith Lee... Get familiar. Look on YouTube for the uh, the best of Keith Lee in progress and evolve in the you know the Northeast wrestling scene, what have you, because the guy is great and the guy is here to take NXT by storm. So we get to the NXT title match was not the main event for the second straight takeover, but it shouldn't have been. I mean, Black and Sol- uh, the Black and Sullivan feud has been good, not nearly as legendary and as iconic as the Ciampa Gargana feud has been. So it made sense for it to take you know the back seat to Ciampa Gargano in the Chicago Street Fight main event. But Black and Sullivan was also still pretty good. This was a very uh, good match and a great showing from Sullivan. There were, you know, a few botches, a few awkward moments here and there. It wasn't completely perfect, but it was a good enough match to show that Sullivan can hang with the elite talent of NXT, the Ricochets of the world, and the Velveteen Dreams of the world, and now the Aleister Blacks of the world too came close on a number of occasions to becoming the NXT champion, ultimately to no avail. Um, He got hit with the Black Mask twice in a row, which I thought was a great way of protecting Sullivan in defeat, with Sullivan eating his first ever one-on-one defeat in NXT for the year plus that he's been on the brand, has never been defeated one-on-one, has never been pinned until now. Um, I thought this was a real good match. Again, told a good story with Black having to fight from underneath, which is kind of something new for him. He's never really been the underdog before. So it was something new, but I thought they told a great story. They went out there, had a pretty good match. They recovered from that one bad botch where Black seemingly hit the Black Mass, missed, but Sullivan's, you know, he sold it anyway. So that was kind of bad. But beyond that, they recovered nicely. They had a good match. Sullivan protected in defeat, and Black rolls on as still the NXT champion. So again, this was exactly what it needed to be. A good match with the right result. And then we get to the real main event of the evening, the Chicago street fight between Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa, a rematch from TakeOver New Orleans. Now, we were all wondering coming into the show, how are these guys going to top themselves from New Orleans? They had arguably the greatest match in NXT history on that show. What they can do, what can they do differently in this match to kind of either top themselves or match that match from WrestleMania weekend? Now, what didn't really help matters was the fact that this was Kind of a similar stipulation. It was an ODQ match. They had an unsanctioned match in New Orleans. 
And this was the Chicago street fight. So basically the same exact thing. No DQs, no countouts. But they did enough to make it feel different where they took the fight all around ringside in the crowd at one point, took it over to the stage area where in that very same building almost exactly a year ago, um, Ciampa and Gargano went out there and that was where Ciampa, you know, they had that great match with uh, the authors of Pain for the NXT Tag Team titles. But Ciampa, that was where he turned in Gargano and put him out and he was on the shelf for, for a couple weeks, if not a few months, was Gargano. But yeah, no, I thought this was great. They had a lot of awesome storytelling tidbits here with Ciampa ripping the ring, you know, the the, the wedding ring off of Gargano's finger, and then kissing it and spitting on it and throwing it out in the uh, fucking, you know, on, on, in the back, whatever. Um, I thought that was great. What a scummy thing for for Ciampa to do is the quintessential heel right now is, Ciampa, is Tommaso Ciampa. I think he's doing all the right things. He's saying all the right things. He's doing all the right things. Uh, the guy is just firing at all cylinders as a heel at the moment. But the dynamic here with Gargano being the beloved babyface and Ciampa being the hated heel, again, all of this was just excellently executed. I thought it was perfect. So in the end, Gargano was so hell-bent on destruction and rage and revenge that he got caught up in the moment. Now, he was forcing Ciampa to tap out at one point, but the ref- the referee was persona non grata. He was nowhere to be seen. I don't know where he was. I don't know if he was out of ringside or went to the back to get more help. I don't remember. But the referee was... Not there to ring the bell. Um, instead, all these agents came out to stop Gargano. He fought through them. He beat them up. Went back into the ring. And Ciampa capitalizing while his arms were handcuffed, mind you. Ciampa DDTs Gargano on the exposed on the exposed hardwood floor. Hardwood, uh, hardwood mat, I should say. Because he ripped open the mat. He took the padding out. And it was just the wood. So he DDT'd him on the wood. And that was it. That was all it took for Gargano to uh, be out for the one, two, three, and hand chomp of the victory. I thought this was amazing, like I said. Um, with the right result, the feud needed to continue. Ciampa needed a big victory. He got it here. They had another five-star classic, in my opinion. I mean, it's all subjective. Like, five stars, six stars, two stars. Again, all subjective. But in my opinion, matching the magic they created in New Orleans with the finish, the overall emotion, the storytelling, the action... Everything about this, uh, that was perfect. Um, but yeah, Ciampa now gets one over Gargano. They are now tied one and one. Now this leads to the next question. Where do they go from here? Do they do a rubber match in Brooklyn? Do they save it for WrestleMania weekend next year? Do they save their next match for when Ciampa is the NXT champion? Now I know I didn't watch the NXT. I didn't read the spoilers for this past week's uh, TV tapings in Orlando for the next batch of NXT TV episodes. But that being said, um, will Ciampa be set up as the next number one contender to the title coming off this victory? I would assume so, but I could also see a scenario where they do the the blow-off in Brooklyn between Ciampa and Gargano, and instead they set up EC3 as the next number one contender to the NXT championship. Either way, I'm game. I think either way, I think you could have a a great scenario. Either way, you could do... It's really one or the other. It's either Black and EC3, and then Ciampa Gargano 3 in, in Brooklyn, maybe inside Hell in the Cell. That's been the uh, rumor, the you know the, the popular opinion for a while now, because really no other stipulation makes sense. An Iron Man match is, would be great, but I don't know. I feel like we've been there the last few years with like Bailey and Banks, and then Bailey and or, uh, Banks and Charlotte, and the Hardy Boys in the bar. It doesn't really fit this feud, in my opinion. They need some sort of 
bloodworthy payoff. Bloodthirsty uh, blow-off for this rivalry, for this ruthless rivalry. And that won't come in an Iron Man match. It's got to come in either inside Hell in the Cell or... I mean, I don't really know. There's really not much else that makes sense. I guess you could do Last Man Standing, but we just saw that with AJ Nakamura. Hell in a Cell, in my opinion, I know it's never been done before in NXT. We've seen steel cage matches before. Been there, done that. Um, I would much rather see a street fight. Or not a street fight. I'm looking at my results here for the show from Saturday. I would much rather see Hell in a Cell. Um, but either way, I mean, it's either Gargano Ciampa 3 in Brooklyn, and then Black and EC3, or Black and Ciampa and EC3 and Gargano. Now, lest we forget, um, it was, I think, EC3 and Fabian Eichner on an episode of NXT TV a few weeks ago. And that was when Gargano stormed in, said, fuck the match, don't care about the match, give me Ciampa in Chicago. And EC3 was kind of put off by that. Like, why would he interrupt my latest outing on NXT TV? You know, why would he take the attention away from me? So maybe there's some bad blood there. I feel like they did that for a reason, to plant the siege for a future feud between the two, and when better than in Brooklyn. And Gargano can lose and he wouldn't be hurt. I mean, the guy is fucking... Sami Zayn, Daniel Bryan, for, you know, for God's sakes. So he wouldn't be beyond damaged if he lost the EC3 in Brooklyn. But that's what I would do. If it's not Ciampa Gargano 3, I would do Black and uh, Ciampa for the title. Maybe Ciampa winning. To set up Ciampa and Gargano for the title. Either at the uh, November TakeOver or the Royal Rumble Weekend TakeOver or next year's WrestleMania Weekend TakeOver. Either way, the feud is far from over. But uh, there's a few different routes they can take coming out of the show. Now I'm excited to find out. So going into Money in the Bank on Sunday, a lot of matches here. Um, I do want to spend the next half hour mostly talking about the pay-per-view, but other news and notes from Raw and SmackDown and some other stuff instead, um, you know, in addition to Money in the Bank. But that being said, Money in the Bank coming to you live from the All-State Arena in Chicago, June 17th, 2018. My experience at the event was a great one. Wasn't the best pay-per-view I've ever been to. I've been to some better pay-per-views, um, but this was still pretty good. The only knock against it, I felt, was the fact that, um, and being there live, was that inside the arena itself, it was so fucking hot. It was so hot. I mean, on Sunday in general, it was like 100 degrees. It was hot just in general in Chicago. But you throw 10,000 sweaty-ass wrestling fans in one arena where there's no AC, it's going to get uncomfortable real quick. Um, but other than that, the show I thought was great. Um, a lot better than I thought it would be, to be honest with you. I mean, I figured it had potential on paper, but, you know, given the last few weeks of WWE TV, you never really know with this company. But I thought it delivered and being a pretty fun show. So on the kickoff show, real quick, we had the Bludgeon Brothers knocking off Gallows and Anderson to retain the SmackDown Tag Team titles. To be completely honest with you, I saw none of this match in person. I went out at 5.30 to go get a soda. It took me half an hour to get to the front of the line, grab my two sodas for RJ and I, get on out of there. And I just barely made it right before the show started. So I watched the second half of the match on my phone because I figured, you know, fuck it, I'm not going to get there in time, so I might as well watch it on my phone. It was a good match. I thought the SmackDown rematch on Tuesday was better, but this was still a good match. Um, Belonged in the kickoff show. Kicking off the actual show is Daniel Bryan versus Big Cass and what would turn out to be Big Cass's final match in WWE. So which is why I'm glad I waited to record WrestleRant Radio because if I didn't wait and I recorded it on Monday, I wouldn't be able to mention that fact because I thought Big Cass looked good here. I really did. Um, I'm not a Big Cass fan at all. I mean, I can't say I'm surprised slash distraught 
that the guy was fired on Tuesday. Um, but you know, this was um, you know, this was a good match, a lot better than their backlash match. Far from like great, but I thought it was a lot better than the the backlash match. The crowd was super into Daniel Bryan. I thought this was perfectly positioned as the opener. You know, get the matches that people don't really give a shit out of the way first. Which I thought was smart, and then kind of built to the bigger matches. The crowd layout for the show, or the match layout for the show, I thought was really wise in terms of how they laid it out. With like the matches that people didn't really give a shit about early on, or you know, kind of splicing in the ladder matches and the women's matches and the IC title match, I thought was smart. Anyway, good match here. Daniel Bryan in the end, going over decisively for the second straight pay-per-view, which was the right result. I feared that my prediction was that Big Cass would win to kind of draw out the feud until Extreme Rules, which may have been the plan at one point, but I'm glad they didn't do that. Big Cass got fired on Tuesday anyway, so I'm glad Daniel Bryan went over, maintaining momentum and rolling into uh, whatever the future holds for him, which I would assume is a feud of the Bludgeon Brothers, which some people aren't really too happy about over the SmackDown Tag Team titles, but, you know, there's other... Better opponents or Daniel Bryan in singles competition. A few to the right now from Nakamura to Samoa Joe to The Miz to Andrade San Alamos. There's so many more people that Daniel Bryan could be feuding with right now. But the Bludgeon Brothers feudy, who, you know, he, whom he has history with. So it's not completely out of the ordinary. Um, it depends who he picks as his partner. I mean, it could be just a one-off match on next week's SmackDown. It could be a full-fledged feud until Extreme Rules. I'm not really sure. Um, but we'll see what, you know, what the future holds for him beyond, um, beyond money in the bank and moving forward, beyond this apparent new feud with, um, the Bludgeon Brothers that started on SmackDown on Tuesday. After that, we had Bobby Lashley taking on Sami Zayn. Another thing I'm glad I waited to talk about just because Sami Zayn is apparently injured. Um, he hurt not one, but both of his rotator cuffs and is going to be out reportedly until 2019. So Zayn's going to be out a while, and that's really, really unfortunate. He was out for a while in 2015, too. He got hurt in early May of 2015. He was out until December. So Sami Zayn uh, is likely going to be I think it was a similar injury, too, if not the same exact injury on the same exact arm. But yeah, he's going to be out for a while, which is unfortunate. Hopefully when he comes back either as a babyface or a heel, they finally have something for him to do that's noteworthy because this Bobby Lashley feud was god-awful, and I'm glad it's over. Um, but yeah, Bobby Lashley going over in decisive fashion here. Pretty much a glorified squash match. And it was exactly what it needed to be. Didn't drag on longer than it needed to. Wasn't a long match. Bobby Lashley should have won here. I like Sami Zayn, but Sami Zayn winning would have meant the feud was going to continue. It didn't. Bobby Lashley went over in clean fashion. So thankfully the feud is over. And Zayn can go on to get surgery, you know, rehab, heal, and hopefully be back on the Sooner side. But, uh, yeah, Zane getting hurt is a big blow because he's been, uh, you know, one of the consistent guys on this roster for a while now, and it's kind of hard to overlook that. It's kind of easy to overlook that, I should say, just considering he hasn't been positioned as, like, a big-time player on Raw or SmackDown yet. But, I mean, the matches and the feuds with Daniel Bryan, with Kevin Owens, with AJ Styles, with Nakamura, and a few others over the last year... Zayn has been delivering good match after good match after good match on TV, and he's been having these, uh, you know, these series of uh, breakout performances on WWE TV. I mean, it hasn't really led anywhere in terms of title gold or anything like that, but it should at some point. The guy's that good. Uh, maybe when he comes back in 2019, I think people are already speculating a Royal Rumble return for Sami Zayn, which would be perfect. But um, other than that, I think Sami Zayn, you know, getting hurt 
He's a big blow to the roster, and hopefully, uh, you know, he gets better soon and he can be back on the Sooner side, as I mentioned earlier. After that, for the Intercontinental Championship, we had Seth Rollins taking on Elias, defending the title successfully against the former Elias Sampson. Um, a pretty good match here. Easily Elias' best single showing to date, and he's had some pretty good matches over the last year with the likes of Daniel Bryan, with Finn Balor, with John Cena, with Braun Strowman, and a few others. No, I thought Elias looked good here. Rollins, um, in the end, successfully retaining his title, like I said. But uh, no, it was a good match early on. They picked up the pace in the second half. There was one great series of uh, near falls here where Elias threw uh, Rollins, I think, into the barricade, then into the ring post, then into the steel steps before tossing him in the ring, hitting a diving elbow off the top rope for a great two count. Now, again, considering what they did on Monday's Raw with Rollins dropping the IC title to Dolph Ziggler, why not just put the belt on Elias here is my question. Now, this that angle could be leading to something more, maybe with Ambrose coming back and reuniting with Rollins to take on Ziggler and Drew McIntyre. Um, but they are doing the rematch on next week's show. And again, maybe they are setting up Rollins to enter that uh, multi-man match at the... Um, and what is it, Extreme Rules next month, which is a lot like last year's Extreme Rules main event, so don't be confused by that, because they are essentially the exact same match with some of the same people, but I digress. Um, if Rollins goes on to win that and become, you know, he is one of the hottest guys going in WWE right now, and he's the one that goes on to SummerSlam to become a Universal Champion, or Challenge, rather, for the Universal Championship at SummerSlam, um, I would be totally okay with that. But if not, I don't understand why they would take the belt off Rollins so soon, and also why they would take it off for him. Uh, why would they? Why they would take it off of him in favor of Dolph Ziggler, and not someone like Elias, who has a lot more to offer at this point, in my opinion, than Dolph Ziggler. Um, but still, a great performance, a great showing from Elias here, as I expected he would have on this show. And Rollins walks out, still your Intercontinental Champion until Monday night, obviously, where he dropped the belt to Dolph Ziggler again. Didn't really do anything for me. I would rather have it. I would. I would rather have it had been, you know, either Elias or even Drew McIntyre. Dolph Ziggler is Intercontinental Champion for like the fifth or sixth time. Does nothing for me. But whatever. We'll see where it goes. In the women's Money in the Bank ladder match on this show, we had Alexa Bliss overcoming the likes of Becky Lynch, Natalya, Charlotte Flair, Naomi, Sasha Banks, Lana, and Ember Moon to become only the second ever Miss Money in the Bank. Um, easily the best women's Money in the Bank ladder match we've seen yet. I mean, obviously, I mean that obviously goes without saying. Um, the two ones we had last year I thought were pretty good. They weren't great, but I thought they were pretty good. I thought this was a great match. I thought all the women had uh, awesome showings here. There were a few points where they could have done a better job of, I mean, Becky was up there forever at one point trying to stall before she was knocked off the ladder. Same thing with Naomi at one point. But... By all, you know, by all intents and purposes, for all intents and purposes, this was a uh, really, really good match. Yes, with with some great near falls. At one point, I really did think Becky was, Lynch was going to win. Same thing with Natalia. She was my pick to win. I didn't want to see her win, but I'm, so I'm glad she didn't win. But Alexa Bliss was kind of a dark horse here. I thought, you know, she had her time in the title picture. She lost the belt. She lost the rematch. And that was it. But uh, in the end, she did become the next Miss Money in the Bank. And it wouldn't be long before she would resurface on this very same show to become Raw Women's Champion, which I'll talk about soon enough. But as a match, I thought this was great. Um, all the women held their own, even Lana, who typically sucks and she's not that good. But even her here, I thought, uh, didn't embarrass herself. They didn't take too many big risks when they didn't need to. 
And um, they just went out there and had a great match. So two thumbs up for the women on this show. Speaking of the women, or no, Carmella and Asuka was after the next match. We had, after that, Roman Reigns versus Jinder Mahal, which no one in the arena could have given two shits about. Now, the match itself was by no means great, but it wasn't either, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't uh, terrible, but it wasn't great either. It was pretty, if I had to like choose thumbs up or thumbs down, easily thumbs down. It did nothing for me, very predictable. They continue to book Roman in these fucking matches where there's like 20 minute rest holds. For whatever reason, and I don't know why, because it bores people to tears. So I don't know why they continue to do that. Um, so the match really did nothing for me. No one in the arena cared. It was all NXT chance, CM Punk chance, this is awful chance, both guys suck chance, um, and all these other things. The wave started at one point. There was a brief beach ball in the crowd at one point. This was a disaster. And the crowd, the officials had to have known that the crowd was going to react to this the way they did. Why they booked this to be as long as it did, I have no idea. Because they went out there and they drowned. They had to have known that Roman and Jinder, they weren't going to get cheered. They weren't, they weren't going to cheer Roman because Jinder is a hated heel. They weren't going to cheer Mahal because Roman Reigns is hated by the fans. They just weren't going to care. They had to have known that. So the match was not good. Uh, Roman winning, LOL, what else is new? I mean, Jinder winning wouldn't really have made much sense. So Roman winning, I kind of expected slash wanted of the two. But still, this really should have been... Five, if not ten minutes shorter than it was because no one cared and they really went out there and not ruined the flow of the show because people were not sitting on their hands. They just kind of had fun at their own expense and the expense of the wrestlers in the ring. But really, this should have been shorter, a glorified squash match with Roman going in there, getting the shit in, winning the match, and getting out. There was really no reason for this to be as long as it was. Carmella and Asuka, on the other hand, for the SmackDown Women's Championship, was a fine match. I thought it was alright. Much better than Carmella and Charlotte from Backlash, which fucking sucked. Um, This was not that much better, but it was better. Um, So, it was your typical match. Really, probably the weakest match on the entire show, from an in-ring standpoint. Before we had the return, the surprise return, of one James Ellsworth. uh, Of James Ellsworth, which had been rumored for a while now. Kind of figured it that he would return here to help Carmella retain the SmackDown Women's Championship, which is exactly what he did. They never really explained, either on this show or on SmackDown on Tuesday, why Ellsworth is back. They, you know, kind of half-assed and said, oh, you know, the absence makes the heart grow fonder, blah, 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 and all this other shit. But the last time we saw Ellsworth, he was getting attacked by Carmella. And the whole reason why they put Ellsworth with Carmella in the first place not only to get her more heat, but also to help her become SmackDown Women's Champion. And they got rid of him before she even cashed in successfully. So I thought that was pretty stupid. But yeah, so they brought him back. Maybe because they thought Carmella was drowning on her own as a uh, as SmackDown Women's Champion. She hasn't been terrible, but her matches have left a lot to be desired. I don't think Ellsworth is going to help with that, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, I just can't say I was surprised when he showed up. I mean, people were like, oh, you got a big reaction. People were like, oh, look, it's Ellsworth. But still, I thought, um, you know, the fact that he's back and Carmella's still champion, which I'm not surprised by. I know RJ was pitching to me, what if it was Becky Lynch being the one to become the next SmackDown Women's Champion? Because it was Ellsworth, after all, who cost her the briefcase at last year's Money in the Bank pay-per-view. So I would be all for that. I think that'd be some great storytelling. Um, We'll see where they go with it. I I would expect Carmella and Asuka to carry into Extreme Rules, where Asuka, she might lose again. I would expect her to lose again. 
maybe in like a steel cage match or something where she's not getting pinned. Um, but, you know, maybe Carmella escapes the cage. That would seem to make the most sense to me. But anyway, I'm not a big fan of the Ellsworth return because why fire him in the first place if you're just going to bring him right back in the exact same role he was in before? But oh well, it is what it is. Um, in the last man standing match for the WWE Championship, a real good match between AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura. Now I will give you this. It did drag a little bit early on. Um, it was not the most exciting last man standing match for the first half or so, but it was damn good. Um, especially in the second half when they picked up the pace. They did some big-time maneuvers off the announce table and the Kinsasha and the Styles Clash off the steel steps. That was cool, the phenomenal forearm. But uh, through it all, when the smoke cleared, AJ Styles, still your WWE champion, uh, which, you know, I expected he was my pick to win. I wanted Nakamura to win, because coming off of this, how can you ever give Nakamura another shot at the WWE Championship, at least at any point in the near future? Because the guy lost to Jinder Mahal at SummerSlam. He lost to Jinder Mahal at Hell in a Cell last year. He lost to AJ at WrestleMania. He failed to win the belt at Greatest Royal Rumble. He failed to win the belt at Backlash. And now he lost to AJ on this show at Money in the Bank. So again, they, I'm not really sure what they're doing in Nakamura. It looks like he's being set up to feud with Jeff Hardy over the United States Championship, which I'm in full favor of. That could be a real fun feud. And I saw Jeff brought back his face paint. That's great too. But, um, yeah, with Nakamura, I, I don't know. Is he done as a main event guy? I know this led to speculation from people online after the event was over. Could this mean he's going back to New Japan? They're not using him right. Is he unhappy? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, maybe. I don't think he will go back to New Japan. I mean, I wouldn't be too, too shocked. Because his main roster run so far, I mean, the guy's a great heel, but in terms of winning big matches, now I know he won the Royal Rumble. But he has yet to win the WWE Championship, which he should have because he's worthy. But he didn't. He didn't win the belt. Uh, not just once or twice, but, you know, multiple times he fell short of capturing that championship. And this at Money in the Bank was kind of his last shot, and he lost. So if he can rebound, it remains to be seen. But I have faith that he can uh, maybe not win the big one at this point after losing so many times. But he can get some sort of gold around his waist in the form of the NXT, or NXT Championship. He already held that belt in the form of the United States Championship at some point in the not-so-distant future. So AJ, still your WWE Champion. We found out on Tuesday SmackDown that Rusev will be next to challenge for the championship in Pittsburgh at, uh, at Extreme Rules. So that should be fun. That should certainly be fun. Uh, Rusev is a fresh face in the title picture. I thought the gauntlet match on SmackDown real quick, I thought was great. I really, really enjoyed that. But um, yeah, no, Rusev and AJ is a fresh match. I don't think Rusev's going to win. He feels like a filler opponent for AJ before SummerSlam. Um, but no, yeah, I'm looking forward to that match as well on the greatest, uh, the uh, Extreme Rules card. Greatest, I'm all over the place today. I'm so tired. I apologize. You could probably tell from my voice, but yeah, on the Extreme Rules card, uh, AJ and Rusev should be a good match. So also, Money in the Bank for the Raw Women's Championship. Nia Jax and Ronda Rousey exceeding expectations. This was a lot better than I thought it would be, to be honest with you. Um, I expected them to go in there have just a dud of a match for people to just not care. But no, they went in there and had a great match. Ronda Rousey specifically. And Nia Jax, probably the best main roster match she's ever had, to my recollection, in a one-on-one -on -one match. Uh, Ronda Rousey, though, really went in there and opened, you know, opened some eyes, turned some heads with the performance she had on this show. Uh, she proved she can hang in there and, and take a beating and just, I don't know, just do everything really, really well. 
But in the end, it didn't matter because I thought this was really well booked. So you have Ronda Rousey just about to win the championship, has Nia Jax's arm in tow, about to, you know, uh, pull back on it and just break the arm of Nia and become the new Raw Women's Champion. And people were ready for it, but before she could, she got attacked from behind by Alexa Bliss. Uh, Alexa Bliss went on to attack Ronda, went on to attack Nia Jax, and cash in the contract she won earlier on in the evening to become the new and for the third time the Raw Women's Champion, but it for a uh, fifth time in just in general becoming a champion in WWE. Coming off for two times, um, having won the SmackDown Women's Championship, and now her third reign as the Raw Women's Champion, which is pretty good for someone who uh, you know never held gold in NXT. You know Charlotte's like a seven-time champion, but Bailey has only been Raw Women's Champion once. Becky Lynch has only been smacked in Women's Champion once. And Sasha has only been champion in, on the main roster maybe four times, three, four times. So Alexa Bliss has them all beat, except for Charlotte, of course, like I mentioned. But uh, still, I thought this was great. Um, Alexa Bliss getting back into the title picture so soon. Eh, I mean, she's not exactly a fresh face in the title picture. That's kind of the issue here. Um, you know, but still, I thought it was way better than Natalia. I thought they would do what they did here with Natalia instead, which really would have pissed me off, because Natalia as champion does nothing for me. Alexa Bliss, yeah, been there, done that, but at least with her, you know, they have a story built in there with Nia. They have their history together. Um, now, when Ronda Rousey, she attacked Kurt Angle on Monday, she attacked Alexa Bliss on Monday's Raw, getting suspended in the process and storyline, obviously. When she comes back, she'll have that ready-made match with um, Alexa Bliss at SummerSlam. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out. So I thought the way this, you know, was booked, was handled, was executed, was great. Getting the back, well, getting the belt back on Bliss might have been a little too soon because she only dropped the belt two and a half months ago at WrestleMania to Nia Jax. But I do think Alexa being the heel that Ronda Rousey has to chase for the championship makes a lot more sense. And I was saying that going into Money in the Bank where... With Nia and Rousey, they really weren't having the most compelling feud ever. It was kind of just a feud that was there, and it felt phoned in, and the matches could be shit. The match was, ended up being good, but the promos weren't really that good. So I was hoping, you know, it would be a lot better if Alexa Bliss was in Ronda's was uh, was, was in Nia's place instead. And uh, it looks like they're going in that direction, going into SummerSlam, which is cool. So again, I loved what they did here. And finally, in the main event, the men's Money in the Bank ladder match, it was Braun Strowman reigning supreme to become the new Mr. Money in the Bank by beating out Kevin Owens, Robbie, uh, Bobby Roode, I said Robert Roode, Bobby Roode, The Miz, Kofi Kingston, Samoa Joe, Finn Balor, and Rusev. Uh, again, not the greatest Money in the Bank ladder match I've ever seen, but I thought it was real, real good. It had a lot of entertaining spots. Everyone had their time to shine. Uh, Kevin Owens attempting to get everyone on the same page to take out Braun, obviously, in the end, was not successful in his pursuit of doing that. Um, but yeah, Braun Strowman as Mr. Money in the Bank really surprised me because he was, I believe, the first person to qualify, which usually means they're not winning. And also, Braun can contend for the championship without the briefcase, but just because he didn't need it doesn't really make this victory a waste. Now, if Braun goes on to cash in the contract and lose to Brock Lesnar or Roman Reigns or whoever, now that's a fucking waste. Braun should have been champion nine months ago, let alone yesterday, but whatever, it is what it is, um, as long as he cashes in that contract to become champion, hopefully at SummerSlam, 
then I'm all for it. It's not a big deal. So, regardless, I thought this was uh, well done. It was a good match. Had a great finish. And Braun Strowman, you know, it, it's rare they end a pay-per-view with this, you know, uh, with, with a finish that sends the crowd home happy. And it's been a while since that happened. WrestleMania, we did not have that. I mean, Brock won, which people were happy about, but the match fucking sucked. Backlash, didn't really have that because, you know, it was Roman and Joe and the match sucked. Uh, even Elimination Chamber, where Roman won the main event. When the Elimination Chamber main event, it was a great match. But Roman winning Roman winning really wasn't for everyone. You know, Fastlane, we had AJ retain the title, which was the right result. It was kind of expected, though. So, I'm glad we closed out the show with a result no one was expecting and people were happy with. Even if he didn't really need it, doesn't really matter too much to me. So, good way to close out a very fun show. Uh, my experience of the show was a good one. And I would certainly go back to Chicago for more WWE shows in the future, you know, if the opportunity presented itself. But yeah, overall, a much better show than Backlash. I don't know if it's like the show of the year or anything. I mean, it kind of had some uh, divided opinions on it with, you know, who won the matches and who won the briefcases. But with the four matches that needed to deliver, when they deliver, that makes this a thumbs up show in my book. The two ladder matches I thought were great. AJ Nakamura was very, 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 very good, if not a great match. And uh, Ronda Rousey and I Jax was also a lot better than it had any right to be. So again, with the four matches that this show is built around, they delivered. That was all that mattered. And it gets a thumbs up in my book. So real quickly, uh, I already kind of mentioned the highlights from Raw and SmackDown on Raw and Tuesday, respectively. We had Dolph Ziggler knocking off Seth Rollins to become the new Intercontinental Champion. And the match was great. I really have no desire to see Dolph Ziggler as champion anymore, but it is what it is. Aaron Corbin and Kevin Owens beating Finn Balor and Braun Strowman in the main event. Uh, who cares? But, um, yeah, the, the show is fine. And that SmackDown on Tuesday was a lot better. The main event I thought was great. With, as I mentioned earlier, Rusev outlasting The Miz, Daniel Bryan, Samoa Joe, and Big E in a gauntlet match to become the new number one contender to the WWE Championship. Uh, another SmackDown tag team title match between the Bludgeon Brothers and Anderson and Gallows, which was a very good match. Uh, Sanity finally debuted... And their match with the Usos did not come to fruition, but they did lay out the Usos in an impactful debut, so I thought that was good. Uh, Becky Lynch beating Billy Kay and Carmella attacking Asuka. So all in all, a very good show from SmackDown. Real quick, though, as I mentioned earlier, Vader passing away at the age of 63 on Wednesday, I think it was. Um, but yeah, that was a very abrupt passing. I know, I know Vader said a few years back in late 2016 that he had two years to live, which was sad to hear. Um, but I know he did DDP yoga and he had several surgeries that went well, but I believe he either had a heart condition or a heart attack or whatever led to his passing on Wednesday was sad and surprising to hear about. So rest in peace, Big Van Vader. Also in the news this past week, I mentioned it a little earlier on, Big Cass getting released from WWE on Tuesday. Now, by all accounts, I believe this was a long time coming. Dave Meltzer has reported on it. There's been speculation from Brian Alvarez, um, from PW Insider and a few other sources, that this has been really not one incident, but like a series of incidents over the last number of months, both inside the ring and outside the ring. The bad match with Daniel Bryan didn't help matters. Some promo he cut on SmackDown that fucking bomb didn't help matters. It might have been the one that he did with Renee Young in front of the live crowd, which was like an interview type thing. That was not a good promo. Apparently that did not uh, make Vince very happy at all. Like I said, the match with Daniel Bryan, which sucked, the backlash. If you can't have a good match with Daniel Bryan, you know you're kind of done for. But that was that. Um, 
what else? There was that, the midget incident that happened on SmackDown about a month, month and a half ago, where he wasn't supposed to make any physical, like, I think he big booted him when he wasn't supposed to and, like, punched him when he wasn't supposed to because he wanted to. He asked Vince. Vince said no, reportedly, allegedly. Cass went in there and did it anyway, which would seem to make sense and fall in line with the reports that, you know, it got edited out of the YouTube clips, uh, of the YouTube replays of SmackDown that week, so... That would seem to make sense. And there was also another report coming out this past week that Big Cass and Carmella got into an uh, altercation backstage recently. I don't know when this was. I don't know if it was at Money in the Bank or on a SmackDown before the pay-per-view. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, But obviously they broke up at the onset of 2018, and they've been split up ever since. Um, Apparently Big Cass approached her... You know, typical breakup stuff like, why aren't you talking to me? He wanted to kind of make make it up to her and... Carmella wanted none of it before walking off, attempting to walk off before Big Cass grabbed her arm. The Usos had to get involved as well as Eric uh, Eric Rowan. I almost said Eric Young. Eric Rowan, um, the other guy with the orange beard. So um, they had to step in and kind of separate the two and separate Big Cass from, you know, getting towards Carmella. So props to Rowan and the Usos for stepping in when, uh, you know, some people may not. So that was re- very cool of them to do. Um, but yeah, there, there was that incident and a few other things. I guess there was a uh, something that happened on a bus with these two, or with with Big Cass though, not not Carmella, where Big Cass got drunk and he was intoxicated, maybe in public or on the bus, and he was acting like an idiot. The guy seemingly is not in the best of places right now, so maybe it was for the best that they cut him. And also too, he's just not that good. That was my argument all along. Not to say that they should fire the guy, but he was never that good, ever. He was never that good on the mic. He was never that good in the ring, which is why the tag team with Enzo Amore made so much sense, because they hit each other's weaknesses. Enzo was a, a godsend on the mic, big cast can do all the power moves. They were a great tag team. In the typical WWE fashion, they had to go and fuck it up and break them up. Now, even before they broke them up, they weren't, you know, exactly super over anymore. They were white hot in NXT. They never won the tag team titles, but whatever. They were white hot when they got called up to the main roster right after WrestleMania. And then they went on to do nothing. They never won the tag team titles. Um, the Rusev feud, I thought, really did that in, really did them in. The Rusev feud at the you know final few months, at the tail end of 2016, early 2017, was terrible. It was absolutely awful. Um, so that didn't do them any favors. They went on to do nothing for the, you know, the remainder of their run together, the first half of 2017. And then they broke up, which was the dumbest thing the company could have done. Their matches together were not good. Um, were not good at all. You know, Enzo as a heel, as Cruiserweight champion, wasn't bad. I thought he did well within the role, but his matches were terrible. He in the ring was even worse than Big Cass. He had no business being a champion on his own. Um, and his promos also regressed. They were no longer as good as they used to be. Big Cass got hurt, came back, really did not do well with the opportunity um, in the feud with, Big, with, with Daniel Bryan. That should have been the point where he proved everyone wrong, where he went in there and said, you know, I'm every bit as good as I think I am, and I'm going to prove it in this feud with Daniel Bryan. But no, he got outshined every single time in the ring, on the mic. The guy, his weaknesses were exposed, and it was proven that he just really isn't that good. So, he's no longer with the company. They, they cut bait with him on Tuesday, following his loss to Daniel Bryan at, at Money in the Bank, which I talked about earlier. I thought it was a good match. I thought it was easily the best big cast match I've ever seen, other than that showing he had in the four-way for the Universal Championship a few years back. But beyond that, 
Um, I, the, the guy is really done nothing of note to make me think that he has like a bright future in WWE. So cutting him and you know might have been for the best. And if he was a, a nightmare backstage, then so be it. So be his release. Definitely for the better in that respect. So Big Cass no longer with WWE. Daniel Bryan can finally move on to bigger and better things. And it's really just sad. You know, I mentioned this on Twitter. Real one last note, uh, you know, before we move on. It's really just kind of sad that you look back at Enzo and Cass and their history in WWE and how great they were in NXT for so long. And then on the main roster, they had a very good beginning. And it fizzled out quickly. Not because of anything in the ring, because they had some good matches early on, but... Loss after loss after loss and all these just terrible storylines and the terrible material they were given to work with. Oh my god. It was terrible. It was awful. I have never seen a team that had so much potential just go to shit so quickly. Literally one year after they broke up on Raw, Big Cass was released from WWE. Mere months after Enzo was released from WWE. And they're not exactly best friends anymore in real life, so... For anyone expecting an Enzo and Cass reunion on the Indies, it's not going to happen. Um, but yeah, that was the release, the uh, rise and fall and fall again of Big Cass in WWE. Um, one last note here before we close out the episode. AJ Styles landing the cover of WWE 2K19. Very well deserved for a guy that is huge into video games and has been such an important part of WWE over the last two and a half years. No one deserves it more. Also becoming the first person to land the cover of the TNA video game, as well as a WWE video game. Now, I think Kurt Angle was also on the cover of that TNA video game. Maybe Booker T, so maybe they have AJB, but it is pretty cool that AJ went from, you know, being the cover boy of the TNA video game 10 years ago, before becoming the cover boy of a WWE video game 10 years later. Who would have ever thought? So that's really, really cool, and a great choice made by the people over at 2K. Uh, and we'll see how the game is. I'm not really sure. I mean, I always get the games every year anyway. I'm not a big gamer, but I do try to play the games as much as I can uh, whenever I have the time. But I am excited to see AJ on the cover of uh, WWE 2K19 and looking forward to getting the game a little later on this year. So anyway, guys, that does it for this edition of WrestleRant Radio for June 23rd, 2018. A lot to digest between TakeOver Chicago 2 Money in the Bank, Raw, SmackDown, and so many other news and notes going on in the world of wrestling right now. And the injury of Sami Zayn, which I talked about briefly earlier. Uh, so much news breaking. I'm sure there's going to be even there's going to be even more breaking news right after I put this episode up, and it's going to be even more outdated than it already is. Um, but we will be back on track, back on schedule for WrestleRant Radio next Thursday. So stay tuned for that new episode coming your way on Wednesday or on Thursday rather. Reviewing the week in wrestling and talking about whatever else is new in the world of WWE, Impact, Ring of Honor, Lucha, and all that other good stuff. So anyway, guys, as I mentioned at the start of the show, you can find me on the socials at WrestleRant on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com backslash graham.gsm.matthews. You can find me on YouTube as well at youtube.com backslash c backslash graham.gsm.matthews. And also, nextairwrestling.net for all my written reviews, as well as for every new episode of WrestleRant Radio. But as I mentioned earlier, guys, for all the new episodes of WrestleRant Radio, you don't only have to go to nextairwrestling.net. It's also on iTunes. Simply subscribe by typing in WrestleRant Radio on the Apple Podcast app, rate the show, 
review the show, subscribe to the show. You'll get not only the new episodes on Thursdays every single week, or Saturdays in this case, you'll also get all the archived episodes dating back to October of 2013. So what are you waiting for? Download the show today. It is now easier than ever to check out WrestleRant Radio every single week. So on that note, guys, enjoy the rest of your weekend. I'm Graham G.S. Matthews. I'll talk to you on Thursday, and I'll catch your ass down the road. Boom.